Hello and welcome to the Keen on Things podcast, the best 30 minutes of sleep in show business. I'm your host, Patrick Keani from Hawaii, where every damn South Orange County family goes to in summer. I forgot how much of a staple that was, Hawaii was, for so many. I remember my friend Joe Ferris in high school was going to Hawaii with his family because he had it pretty rough growing up. And our football coach was like, okay, well, here's some 110s. You're going to run on the beach while you're there. And Joe is just not having it. And so you know what? The program wasn't having him. Uh, no, I'm kidding. It all worked out fine for everybody. But uh, they went to Hawaii. I think he was my first friend that I knew who went to Hawaii. Anyway, um, all South, I, I swear to God, all South Orange County schools should offer summer school in Hawaii with so many families going there. And, and it's just, it's so funny. Your kids are going to summer school because they're messing up in class. And how do they get rewarded? By a trip to Hawaii. Uh, it's just unbelievable. Anyway, the emphasis on education in Southern California is a little bit different. Uh, look, I substitute on South Central and East LA. It's even more different there. Okay. Um, I never thought... Um, Hawaii was different enough from Southern California to spend much time there. I went once to Lanai and had a blast. It was a friend's wedding. Two friends, actually, from high school. And, uh, it, you know, it was fine. I went because of the wedding. But to go there, just to go there, I'm like, eh, it's ocean. You know, everything's fine. Barefoot, flip-flops, surfing. Uh, they get more rain, obviously, and storm. And it's just, it, it was pricey, I remember. But but uh, but there's something about the air. I don't know what it is. If it's the lava in the in the air, it's a little more humid, but not Japan humid. But but uh, it's good air. It's like a good freshness. Uh, when I was there, it was pricey. I literally went to the beach during the day, and the hotel would bring down sandwiches for the guests, and I would just eat those sandwiches. That was my daytime meal. And then at night, I'd call. I was only there four or five nights. I'd call room service and pretend I was ordering for children that I didn't have so I could pay cheaper children's menu prices because the meals were like $40, $50 minimum uh, for a meal, not even like a glass of wine. Or and then one of the nights, I'd even pretend like I was talking to the kids while I was on the phone with the concierge or home room service. What do you want, honey? Cheeseburger? Okay, two? Okay, chicken sticks, whatever, chicken strips. And then they'd deliver it and I'd have the shower on running. The TV turned up loud. I'd act annoyed to the guy delivering it. They're in the shower making a mess. I don't want to hold you up. Let's get you out of here while I continue this lie. That's how I lived for four days and nights. That's how I lived for four to five decades. And one of the reasons you've never heard of me or this podcast. Kidding. Things are happening, guys. Things are happening. Um, but it was a blast. And, uh, and one of the nights we were covered with the rehearsal dinner. So I was like, okay, cool. That's a night. Check that off. And then I was just so relieved to get on the plane. Like, I think it was a Sunday or a Monday morning. Um, you know, just to get back. And, and you're just like, oh, God, thank God. I'm not going to be spending any more money. You know, and that when you're not making that much and it's just kind of a stress the whole time. Still fun. But, yeah, the air in Hawaii. Something about it, man. I don't know what it is. Um, not as dry as SoCal. Not as humid as Japan. Just a different beast altogether. Hawaii, guys. Ooh, this is going to be a tasty podcast. Are you ready? Uh, Hawaii was not a U.S. state when Pearl Harbor was bombed by the Japanese in December 1941. It was just a territory 
named such in labeled such in 1900, probably after defeating the Spanish uh, in the war between America and Spain. And we got the Philippines, we got Cuba, we got all that stuff. Um, and we probably already kind of had Hawaii, but we maybe put an official label on it. Labeling it a territory became a state. When did it become a state? Later. Um, let's see, when, when did it become a state? Well, after the bombing, right? Like 20 years after the bombing, Hawaii becomes a state. Let's see. Becomes... A U.S. state in the year 1958, I'm going to guess. It's 1959. August 1959, the anniversary is coming up of that as well as another. Oh, they got a cool kind of flag at first before we took it. Uh, Hawaii is a state in the western United States located in the Pacific Ocean, 2,000 miles from the U.S. mainland. The only state outside North America, the only state composed entirely of islands. What about Rhode Island? <laughs> the state flower is the yellow hibiscus. The motto, as we know, is Uamauke Eaoka Ayuna Ka Prona. So that's their, their, uh, their motto. We all know that. August 21st, 1959, it became a state. I think the Dodgers were about to win the World Series. Um, guys, thanks for listening <clears throat> to this podcast. Uh, this is all I have for today, five minutes in. Today we're gonna be it's gonna be Japan heavy, so I'm glad we 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 tried it out with Hawaii. We went from here where I am, California Southern to Hawaii, and this is going to be Japan-heavy, this episode. Okay, so um, kind of a nice liftoff for this long haul that we go into. Um, we got the Olympics, which came to an end this past weekend. Just amazing. I know it didn't get great ratings. I know there weren't people in the audience, the crowds, but, uh, man, the pageantry, the countries. The competition, dreams coming true, lifelong dreams coming true, lifelong dreams for people that are 20 years old, so it's, you know, 20-year dreams, which I've had longer ones uh, as I continue into my 48th year. Uh, but amazing, right? U.S. winning a ton, China, China winning a ton, women's basketball doing well again for the U.S., um, goes, un goes, un you know, goes under the radar, I think they've won a ton in a row. Uh, volleyball won Saturday night. Men's basketball winning against France. Good for France for going toe-to-toe -to -toe with us. You know, I don't know how tight the game was. I know they beat us before, but I saw, like, the first half and third quarter. And, um, you know, we did we did fine. We did fine. I, I don't know how you're going to beat us when we're, when we're even half-focused, but uh, good for them. I don't know how much of a game it was, how really close it was. Probably, I think the score was closer, but whatever. Good job, France. Uh, congrats to Japan beating us in baseball. I don't know that baseball was an Olympic sport. I thought I knew we had it in the early 80s. Don August, Mark McGuire, 84. Um, seen the medal. Seen it at the August household. But I didn't know. Uh, I, I Maybe we dropped it and then it came back. Because I thought it was gone. I thought baseball was gone for the Olympics. And I was like, okay. But anyways, it's back now. And we came in second, I guess, to Japan. Uh, which is fine. Two good programs. Obviously, they we compete in the Little League World Series as well, so they know what they're doing. Um, I'll tell you, with Otani doing so well with the Angels, it's all very fitting, right? I mean, it's it's just it's kind of cool. I don't know if he made a video or I don't know if he's involved with that at all, but really cool. Who played? Our teams are in the middle of competition. I don't know who played. The college kids that didn't get drafted? Oh, God, I don't know. 
What an interesting time. Yeah, I don't think much about the MLB draft. Do the kids go right from college into pro? Because basketball, it's the offseason. Football, it's the offseason. But what about like hockey and baseball? I guess the train, it's rare that you go right from college in hockey or baseball. You probably minor league it for a while. It's quite a transition. Mental game. It's so mental. I didn't know that growing up, how mental the life was, things were. You know, I thought you just go hard. And it gets figured out. But you got to be in for the long haul. In your head. He wasn't right in the head. Uh, Braveheart. When he kills the guy that's the traitor. The English. No, the Scottish traitor. Is killed by the Irish guy. Who they thought was the traitor. But really wasn't. Uh, Otani, man. He could revolutionize this whole world. The first non-American number one baseball star. Since Roberto Clemente. I think he was uh, Puerto Rican, wasn't he? I don't think any other baseball stars, the biggest name in baseball, has always been Americans, except for Roberto Clemente and Otani. So we'll see. We'll see if we allow that, because I don't know that his English is that great. And you never know what forces are at work. Just such a classy guy, handles it very well. If he were, look, if he were a white American, we'd be losing our minds that he, you know, pitching and batting. Uh, but we're still trying to get a grip on him, perspective. Trying to, you know, figure them out, categorize them like we do. Uh, regardless, it's great having them. What are we? Okay, we're at nine. We're at nine and a half minutes. Uh, Japan handled the Olympics and COVID protocol very well, I thought. It's not easy. I'm seeing things all around and how hard this is and getting people on board. Uh, I thought Japan did a great job. I know. I, I just don't know about the Olympics. Got great ratings. Do they ever? I don't know. Um, this is the, really the most I, I, I don't know. I only watched Olympics while I was at the gym, which means I didn't watch much. Kidding. Kidding, guys. Don't take this so serious. Uh, I have been uh, working out a lot at the gym down the street, Eos. And uh, I've been watching a ton. I, the, the Chinese diving blew my mind. I think that was Friday night. Those little splashes and all the flips in the air. Is amazing, you know, because I'm like, yeah, I'm not really into any of these sports. And then they're on, and I'm watching swimming, watching a ton of swimming. And uh, so I am into it once it's on. I just don't chase it. I don't chase it. But uh, the track is amazing. Track, swimming, the fraction. I do like hockey in winter. I like soccer, some track. Um, you know, those just milliseconds, you know. Saw some at the bar this weekend. Closing ceremony was at 4 a.m. Pacific, 7 a.m. Eastern. I, I was just like, I missed, I woke up and there was all these news like, oh, closing ceremonies were beautiful, so I had to YouTube it. And uh, pretty cool, pretty cool stuff. Uh, Japan seemed to handle the no crowd thing pretty effectively, just like my audiences. And I bet, I bet Japan and the Olympic Planning Committee is so relieved. It's like, it's new Paris, you get it for 2024 or, you know, whenever it happens. Even if some cases were spawned from the interaction at the Olympic Games in Tokyo, they did a good job, right? And, and it was a nice distraction for the world. Everybody needed it. Love the flags, the colors, the countries. I joked about Kenya and the marathon, that two-hour marathon on Saturday afternoon. I joked. I joked, uh, what are marathons like in Kenya? Does everyone just come in first? Because for a second, it looked like they had first, second, third wrapped up. And then they had first... Uh, t- Somebody else got second, somebody else got third, and Kenya got fourth. And then that third, Kenya guy, I don't know what happened to him. 
such a most consistent country to win a single event has got to be Kenya and that marathon. Brazil won soccer, of course. That's pretty consistent. Um, American sports are so big for Americans that maybe we watch the Olympics more casually than other countries. It isn't as big as, you know, we have, we have games here on tape delay. Soviet Russia didn't have games on tape delay. They had games on TV in the middle of the night, 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m. People had to wake up. People had to stay up, you know, to watch. And they did it with joy, with glee, once every four years. They'd go nuts for them. My Russian friends and roommates at Carroll College in Helena, Montana, uh, that was around 95, 96, 97. They used to talk about it. They're like, you guys have it on tape delay. It, it, for us, it was everything. For them, it was everything. It's crazy. And they were they were uh, kids. They were kids during the Soviet Union. I'm not talking about Russians now. I mean, they were 25. These are people born in 1970, 1971, 72, 73, 74. So, you know, they were 16, 17 when the wall came down, when, you know, the Soviet Union was dissolved and it became Russian and all the other countries. Um, so they'd go nuts. They'd go nuts. We all, I remember, we, could we, this all was a topic of discussion. In 1996 games in Atlanta, I was in college still. And uh, they had some crazy stories about the Olympics. Uh, Atlanta, Atlanta remains such a mysterious city to me. I just don't, I don't know. I don't. It's like Indianapolis to me. Which Miss Pat is from Atlanta and now lives in Indianapolis, so that's interesting. Uh, great comic. She got a show coming out, so check that out. You can find her on Insta. Um, yeah, Atlanta just. I don't know. It just seems so. Uh, I don't know. Suburban or graft out in terms of uh, the layout of the the city. Like Indy. Is there a body of water going through Atlanta? Anyway, uh, yeah, in America, we're more concerned with Super Bowls and World Series than we are with Olympics and World Cup. But I like it all. Love the World Cup. Love the Super Bowl. Love the World Series. The pageantry, again, the countries, the different styles, the different fan bases, the uh, respect to the sport, all that. I was in China... When you when the women's were playing when the U.S. women's team I think won their World Cup this is goal this is the uh, World Cup and I was in China was that '99 when we were playing them for the championship in soccer and the woman took her shirt off and exposed her bra after she made a shot I think it was four or five penalty kicks we won and I was watching that game in the Beijing airport we were about to leave and head back to was it '98 '99 2000 I don't know um, and they had that game on TV. And the second the U.S. won and it was over and decided and decisive, the TVs were turned off by the uh, by the terminal where we were because it was like a lot of international. Obviously, it was an international flight. I think we were flying to Japan or Korea from there. But that's how it goes down in China. You know, they shut it down, man. Um, God, swimming and track decided by fractions of seconds. Those athletes train so hard. It is fun to see closing ceremonies. They're all relieved, taking the track, however, however they did. Hopefully, they they got their glory and they gave their best shot and whatever, and they're and they're okay in the head. Uh, watching them take the the track and field and stuff after and the closing ceremony is fun. I'm sure the athletes are all excited to have spent time in Japan with such courtesy and such fun. I mean. The, just great respect, so kind. You know, they're very polite people, very polite culture, so I'm sure they loved it. Some people say they're very polite but not warm. Who knows? Stick around. You know, these are people writing these things are in town for a week or a month. I remember on the way back from Japan, I was there two years, and there was a girl from Davis or Berkeley, 
and uh, she's writing this whole thing on Japan, you know, gender stuff. And this is back in the mid '90s. And respect, disrespect, misrespect, all this stuff. And I'm like, how long have you been there? And she's like, I was there a month. And I was like, okay, I was there two years. I'm not seeing things like you're seeing them, but whatever. Uh, it's great filler, man. The Olympics, great filler for that long break between NBA playoffs and the start of college and pro football. Soccer's also, I was wondering how that void was going to be filled eventually. Soccer's filling that void now as well. Pro American soccer, also Euro Cup, such like that. More coverage, all that stuff. Weeks away from football. Can't believe it. So close. Sumo wrestling all year round, like UFC, tennis, golf, boxing. So you always have that. But I was wondering how they were going to fill like July, August. And uh, obviously the Olympics do it once every four years. Baseball, you know, the dog days of summer. Once football starts, it's football. It's just how it is, you know. And then the baseball playoffs kick in. And then and then the middle of football season, into the playoffs, end of the year, basketball starts. Um Okay, also relative, okay, we're about halfway through. Also relative to Japan this week, we're going to stay on Japan. Great Olympics, guys. Great job again hosting. You did the World Cup in 02 with Korea, shared it. Nicely done. Relative to Japan this week, and this is a big one, the anniversary of the dropping of not one, but two big ones, two atom bombs on the cities of Nagasaki and Hiroshima. Uh, Hiroshima coming on August 6th, 1945 and Nagasaki coming three days later on August 9th, 1945. Nice of us to give them three days before before laying siege to another city. I'm sure they were trying to uh, surrender, but maybe the emperor had to save face, or maybe we're like, before we hear, maybe we're like, we're not going to pick up the phone until we drop another one of these. We wanted to drop two. I don't know. Six days after that, August 15th, aboard the USS Missouri, the peace treaty to end World War II is signed General Douglas MacArthur. Bombs, three days apart, right? Bombs, three days apart. So, uh, so yeah, that happened uh, mid-August. That ends. Well, the war is over in Europe early May, May 8th, my parents' anniversary. Victory in VE Day, and then VJ Day is uh, August 15th. So it's crazy because that starts on the other side of the world, these wars. I mean, really, it started in, well, we'll get to that. Okay. But this whole world is fighting, and it comes down to finally this. Because the Soviets didn't declare war on Japan, maybe until, not until the bombs were dropped, but right around there. Right around there. The, you know, Hitler's fate, Germany, Nazis' fate <coughs> was sealed. And uh, Ottoman Empire, all that stuff. That was all sealed so Soviets could focus on Japan with us. Meanwhile, China is occupied. Eastern China, Manchuria, that's occupied by the Japanese. Okay, so we bombed them twice in three days, not giving much of a chance to surrender, even though I've read there's all kinds of stuff out there that they'd been trying to surrender all summer. They'd been bombed to hell and back. Tokyo was it was a mess. Uh, we had bombed the hell out of it at the Battle of Midway, which I think was in 43, had turned the tide, and we were just bombing the hell out of that island. No land invasion, no boots on the ground. That's what people who defend the dropping of the atom bomb will say. We weren't going to send troops in, and we can just do this from the air and lose people. And then if we drop these two, it'll end the war. It'll actually save Japanese lives um, in the end if we do this now. Well, if we end the war. And the goal is to end the war. The war was ended, hopefully. Ideally, I think lives were saved. Would bombing them off the coast have worked if they just bombed the water? Interesting. There's so many questions. Would it have worked? It's like, oh, wow, look at that. That's what's going to happen to our land. I mean, they only had three or four. Do they want to waste one on the water? 
These are all questions you can ask your history class. And you can, you know, for life, it'll be debated. Was the bomb just for Japanese purposes, right? Or was it to show Soviet Stalin what we were capable of? Because we knew we were going into a Cold War, baby, with him. We knew we were going to engage, uh, engage or just, you know, be ready to with them for a long, long time. I think people are like, oh, it's so uncertain. I think America and the USSR knew each other very well, and they were very aware of each other's intentions. But the goal and the war immediately, the Japanese, I can tell you, would have fought to the death, all of them, citizens, kids, wives, uh, women, mothers, all that stuff. Obviously, in addition to soldiers, civilians too. Because if the Empire would have said it, or General, um, uh, the General would have said it, it would have been the same. Were they trying to surrender all summer long? Maybe. If Jap- I'll tell you, if Japan, if the Soviets, if the Nazis had the bomb, would they have used it? Don't know. Don't know. Would Japan have used it? Would they have used it at Pearl Harbor? Would the Soviets have used it? The only one I can say for sure is Hitler. Hitler would have used it. I mean, come on, right? He would have just used it, been like, give me 10 of these, and we're doing England, we're doing USSR, and then we'll move into China if we have to, uh, and then eventually invade America. You know, because Stalin wasn't into the rest of the world. He wasn't in, he was too, too much to worry about at home, right? Would the Japanese have used it? I don't think so. Japanese had a chance to have a third attack on Pearl Harbor that day. They called it off. They called off that third wave. They're like, yeah, we've done enough damage. Awaken the sleeping giant, you know. So I think the Nazis would have used it. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Very easy for me to sit here and judge. I've been to museums in both cities. Not pretty. It's not meant to be pretty. Shadows where people once were. Shadows, guys. A light so bright from an atom bomb that it, it, it put shadows into concrete, into cement. There's a shadow. No human, because the, the human is erased from the bomb, from the heat. Scary. People melting from the after effects. People melting. You've got to go to these museums, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, World War II atom bomb museums. Generations after that born with birth defects. Darkness during the daytime. Darkness during the daytime. It is dark out. And you're like, wait, it was just nine in the morning. It was morning. All of a sudden, it's dark out. And the people that remain that are close enough to receive the after effects of the bomb are melting. Like, it's so grotesque, you wouldn't believe it. The pictures and the images. Bodies, living bodies are melting, right? One of the uh, pilots, an only gay, one of the pilots of one of the airplanes eventually committed suicide. Tells you a lot. If people endured these things in life, we have to see them and learn about them. You know, slaves, Native Americans, right, atom bombs. We'll get to what the Japanese did to the Chinese and Korea, okay? Holocaust. Nazis. What we're doing to Palestinians now, right? So we have to be careful about being too careful. Be careful about being too careful about educating our youngins, okay? They need to know. Black slaves weren't helpers. They were slaves. Enslaved against their will. And when no longer serving or used to us, they were killed. Um, 
Okay, the atom bombs, thousands dead right out of the gate for each of the bombs, and then thousands more in each city in the days and months that followed from After Effects, and then generational damage, of course. 135,000, these, these statistics vary. Uh, it's very tough to dictate the amount of deaths that happen right there, the ones that happen the next day, the next week, the next month, months later, years later, right? What I was looking at, these seem pretty accurate over the last 25 years. I've been loosely studying this. 135,000 dead in Hiroshima, 60,000 dead in Nagasaki. Uh, again, no way to get exact numbers. That's what's most current. I was in Hiroshima for about a week back when I lived in Japan. Really good okonomiyaki in Hiro. Really good okonomiyaki. It's like a Japanese pancake, batter, cabbage, noodles, and this like sweet sauce you put on it. Hard to explain. I loved it. Delish. Uh, I try to eat it about once a year. It's tough to find. Uh, so I'm in Hiroshima week. I keep passing the old theater that withstood the bomb. There's part of this theater that withstood the, the bomb. It's like a theater tower on a main street. It still stands. Um, I think the museum is either there or it's near there. So I was there in 95. And it was crazy to be there a week and see it and read about it. And then you're upon it. And then you're there for a few days. And a week goes by. and a, Well, a day goes by and another day. And it becomes so familiar. Because I drove past it by 10 times in that week. I'm like... God, I, a week ago, that thing seems so like oh, daunting, and now I just keep driving by it, and you become, no, you don't become immune necessarily, but a little desensitized. It's always a weird thing when a landmark becomes familiar. Whatever, Hollywood sign, you know, Empire State Building, stuff like that. Um, I lived in Japan two years, so I'm probably biased that we didn't need to drop two bombs on them, right? Uh, I'm probably biased. The reasoning... It was to end the it's a war. The goal of a war is to end it. Okay, they dropped the bomb to end the war. One, two, to show Stalin that we had the bomb and what it was capable of. And three, maybe to show us what we had. Maybe we didn't understand what it could do. Uh, Hiroshima was picked because it was a heavy arms manufacturer. It was a heavy arms manufacturer. They they made a lot of equipment there. Nagasaki was picked because it uh, was a large port. It's kind of on the west side, southwest side of Japan, in and out. Um, a lot of cargo moving through, a lot of commerce at that port. And both cities had remained relatively untouched during the war, and they wanted to measure how much damage it really did, as opposed to Tokyo, which had the shit shot out of it. They shoot the shit out of this place all the time. Tough to tell afterwards what damage would have been caused by the bomb if they would have bombed Tokyo, Right? Nagasaki to this day looks very European. Marco Polo, Italian, Portuguese, heavy Christian and Western influence. Port of entry. Uh, major port. I live in Kumoto, which was close to that city, a couple hour drive. We went for a day trip. Uh, it was amazing, but a very depressing drive home that night. Very depressing drive home that night. Wow, we only have about five minutes left. Okay. Um, we're not going to... Oh, yeah, we are. Okay. Uh, I'm sure Truman would sit here today and be like, hey, man, you want the job? Do, do you want the job of deciding whether this bomb goes... Like, this? we've been at war now for four years, the U.S. had. The, the world had been to war for about seven years. I don't even want this position, says Truman. The DNC forced me into this, guys. All right? They're breathing down my neck. Henry Wallace was supposed to be FDR's VP... But the DNC rigged it so I could slide in there after his third term as VP under FDR. But he wasn't a company man. 
And he was going to do radical things with actual change that actually help people. But no, they had to find me and prop me up and force Henry out, even though Eleanor Roosevelt wanted Henry in there and to stay loyal. But the DNC, DNC pulled some tricks, just like they did with Biden's win over Bernie Sanders. Bernie wins the first three states, right, in the primaries. Then miraculously, all the candidates except Biden drop out, throw their hat in the ring for Biden. They all have nice little backdoor deals. Um, Biden wasn't even in the running in those first three states. He wasn't even second or third uh, in those primaries. Didn't even want to be in the race. Then Biden wins the nom and the presidency. Uh, I can't imagine. Is he going to run in 2024? I can't imagine. So, yeah, I think Truman would have said something like that. Okay. Truman was a puppet, just like Biden is with the DNC now. There is no Biden, right? I voted for him over Trump just to get some sanity back. You know, it's weird when you have to vote for a man with cognitive decline in order to get back to sanity a little bit. That's where we are. It's a fact. And I'm not even talking policy. I'm talking calm. Anyway, so that's all. That was that's what's that's what's Truman. He would say if he were sitting here. Okay, um, I got to hand it to Harry S. Truman. S doesn't stand for anything. He was losing bad in '48. Okay, and Dewey was about to win. The Republican was about to beat him, but he stayed in the fight, and he was president again from '48 to '52. Dewey defeats Truman. We've all seen that newspaper that he's holding up the day, the morning of after the election. Dewey defeats Truman when it's Truman who won in the late hours. He had the option, like LBJ did 16 years later, of running again and being able to be president for 10 years, but opted out, which I think I would too. I think that's enough. Anything over four is enough. If you replace a president right away, which is what Truman did with FDR's passing, and then you have a term of your own, that's enough. That's like six, seven years, right? Um, so Truman, Truman runs. God, if Truman runs and wins again in 52, then he's president for almost three terms crazy okay all this is the ramblings of a lunatic hindsight is 2020 america remains the only country to drop a nuclear bomb on another country i wasn't alive then i don't know how tough it was to live 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 during that time i didn't have family in the war uh a chance to close out the war you do it right let's shut it down let's get this over with i want it over in a week we got these bombs what can we get away with you know that kind of thing. And we can justify it, and everybody's just probably so excited, the scientists, some of them. The Japanese, let's be objective, the Japanese did atrocious, atrocious things to Korea and China, none of which is talked about, none of which has been apologized for. They are in China and Korea before the Nazis were in the Sudetenland, Czech Republic, Poland, Okay, Mukden incident in 1937. Go look that up. Uh, in China, they kind of fake an explosion. They're like, "Oh, look, the Chinese," and they go after it. Right, the occupation of Korea, full occupation of Korea from 1910 after they defeated Russia in a war. There's the Russian-Japanese War. I think it's in 1907, and I'm sorry, Japan-Russia War 1907. Japan wins that. How the hell do you beat Russia? Um, then maybe. And they just build up their arsenal and make their way into Korea. 1910 until 1945, the end of World War II, 35 years, straight occupation, uh, liberated, finally, 1945. Korea gets divided. Five years later, North Korea attacks South, and we get MASH. Right? We get MASH. Um, the Japanese were all over Asia. 
in the 30s and 40s. Their rule covered the Philippines, Southeast Asia, Vietnam, all that. Burma, now Myanmar, Singapore, Indonesia, Malaysia, Thailand. All this was under the empire of Japan. The movie Empire of the Sun was about Japanese rule in China. Not China, Japanese rule in China. They had taken over that eastern China and uh, the kid, young Christian Bale. The, the Japanese were in New Guinea, Hong Kong, Taiwan. It's crazy. Look it up. Look at how much the Japanese conquered at its height. East, East India, man. They needed oil to keep that machine going. When the U.S. slapped an oil embargo on them, it was only a matter of time before they attacked the U.S. on Vito Corleone's birthday. It's even a line in The Godfather. And you can see it at the end of Godfather 2. Fredo says, can you imagine the nerve of the Japanese dropping bombs on Pop's birthday? Some think FDR and Washington knew it was coming and deliberately didn't act swiftly enough so it would be easier to sell the war effort to the American people and get us out of the Great Depression. Tom Hagen even says in the movie, of course, of course, very smart, right? Smart guy. He says we should have expected the uh, attack after the oil embargo. He's saying it the night of the uh, Japanese attacking. And then Michael enlists, or he enlisted that morning. The Japanese needed that oil to fuel that empire, that machine, Look at a map of World War II Japan, man. It's fascinating. They had become a powerhouse. Coming out of the Meiji Restoration and the end of the samurai era in 1868, which is what the last samurai was about. So from the end of last samurai to the end of World War II, that's a major block of Japanese history. And uh, what's that? That's 45. That's about 75 years, 74 years. Um, then the U.S., Japan become allies. Toyota explodes. Datsun, which turned into Nissan, which I don't know if that's around anymore. I don't think so. Lexus, great car. My mechanic says, just go with Japanese cars. Don't mess around. He's like, I got a pickup truck, and it's just a waste. Um, but he likes it visually, aesthetically. But uh, if you're looking for functionality, um, practicality, he's like, don't mess around. You want to go a little sporty, go Lexus, but don't, don't, just don't mess around with anything but Japanese cars. He's a good mechanic, too. As I understand it, Germans were forbidden to have military for a while or any aircraft. So all their technology from planes and bombers went into cars, which is why the BMW logo is, I believe, a propeller, kind of a propeller in action. Those four little cone-shaped, uh, yeah. And Germany also an ally now. Just fascinating, right? So we can study this all with objectivity and move forward as a species, right? That's what it's all about. Okay, we're at 34 minutes. This is the longest we've gone. Okay, so we study all this with objectivity, move forward as a species, hoping it never happens again, insisting it never happens again. Things like the Olympics make that possible. So that's where we're, and Rocky IV. Those are the two. All right, uh, show in San Clemente, Wednesday night at Cabrillo Playhouse, 8 o'clock. Show up. I think the tickets cost. I can't get anybody on the guest list because uh, it's um, my first time doing the show. I don't know the layout. I don't, I don't know if it's inside or outside. Playhouse is obviously inside. Um, Next Monday night, August 16th in downtown L.A. at the Escondite, Boyd Street, Skid Rocchio, 9 p.m. show. Amazing lineup. Just trust me. It's always going to be good, that show, once a month. Middle, middle Monday of the month. Don't mess with me asking who's on it. Brian Trainum and I will be there. That's all you need to know. All right? Keen of comedy. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, all that. Oh, YouTube, Keen of comedy. And, uh, and that's it, guys. Keen on things podcast. Thanks for listening. Hit me up and tell me. I sent you. Leap.